You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Holly Randall Unfiltered is sponsored by Twisties. Twisties is the ultimate lesbian glamour erotica website. It is the website that I have shot for the longest. I have produced some of my best content for them, and they are definitely your go-to place for beautifully shot, believable scenes between the hottest industry stars of today. So many of my guests that you've heard on the show, I have shot for Twisties. And so if you want to look up any of my guests' girl-girl work, twisties.com is the place to go. Their Twisties treat of the month is the most carefully curated solo scenes and girl-girl scenes that showcase the best and the brightest in the porn industry. So make sure that you support my show by supporting my sponsors. And please... Go and visit twisties.com. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer, Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Today, live in the studio, I have Rocky Emerson. Hi, Rocky. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Um, I really like it out here. I'm actually spending time here tomorrow, so it was nice to drive out to Malibu. Yeah, I uh, do find that most people don't enjoy the drive here because we are kind of in the middle of nowhere. We are up a long dirt driveway. And um, people from the city are just like, what's a dirt driveway? My car will never make it. And I'm like, yes, it will. Mm-hmm. Every car has always made it up here, but it still freaks people out nonetheless. So I'm glad that uh, it didn't scare you. I mean, I'm usually really scared of like dirt roads, but I'm getting better. And I drove my like big giant van out here, which you saw. And um, that's why I asked. So I think because I asked I was okay. Had I not asked, I might've been like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I always try to warn people and give like very specific directions. Um, and you're not kidding about that van out there. It's huge. It's It's like, I don't know why I was picturing like a van down by the river, Yeah, but it's like a really nice, like it's bigger than my equipment van. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that is like a really utilitarian van. So like, tell me, tell me about your van. Like, What's in there? Why is it so big? Like, do you um, stay in there when you're traveling? Yeah, it's uh, it's like fully built out. There's a bed and some cabinets and stuff. Um, I'm actually rebuilding it, so it'll still be livable. But right now it's livable like in a minimal way. Like there's not a sink or anything. Um, but yeah, I've been staying in it this whole week. I don't usually stay here or stay in the van when I'm here. 
But um, because of COVID, I didn't want to be staying in people's houses. I had some houses I could stay in and everyone ended up being exposed. So I was like, I'm really glad I brought my van. So I've just been sleeping in that. Um, It's been interesting to drive it around LA to say the least. Yeah. The parking is, if you're in the city, it's a bitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been in neighborhoods luckily and like the houses we shoot at are, Mm -hmm. you know, usually in a pretty spacious area. So that was helpful. Yeah. Yeah, um, from somebody who's driven their equipment van to shoots for the last 20 years, um, I can attest to the difficulty of parking a van in, like, the more urban areas. It's yeah. Re- like, especially shooting downtown LA. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's not fun. It's not fun. No. But I have my whole house with me and everything I need in there, and everything's, like, closed and weird here, so... Yeah. Dealing with it this time. I don't know if I will do it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to have that backup though. Yeah. And you also mentioned like before we started that you rock climb. So do you take that with you when you rock climb? And Cause usually I think when you're climbing from what I understand, you're usually kind of like off the grid, not necessarily near hotels. Do you stay in it? at in those times? Yeah. Usually I stay in the van. Um, I just started using it in October. We would camp or stay in a trailer, um, Mm -hmm. that my partner has or something else, but it's been really useful because yeah, we can have two people and the dog and all of our climbing equipment and food and whatever protection from the environment in the van. Um, a lot of the time though, it's close enough that like we end up parking in a friend's driveway, but we're still fully contained. And then I just don't like having to ask for like, somewhere to stay if I don't need to. Yeah. Um, so it's nice. And then, yeah. And then like the dog has somewhere to chill inside if she doesn't want to be outside while we're climbing and food is right there. We don't have to go get the worst part is in areas like that, that are more desolate food is like three times the cost. Of course. Cause it takes yeah. so long to get out there. Yeah. So like eating at restaurants doesn't have to happen anymore. And that's, yeah probably my favorite part is just having a kitchen with me all the time. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that I had forgotten about this, but I actually, um, back when I put like a ton of effort into my shoots and Mm -hmm. I cared more (laughs) uh, before I got burnt out, I went to death Valley to shoot and Mm -hmm. I took, uh, Aria Giovanni, who was also like one of my best friends and my husband at the time and makeup artist. We went and we stayed in death Valley and we shot out there and you know, Death Valley is pretty desolate and there's only a couple of places to eat. And I just remember the food being so expensive and terrible. And not good. So yeah. bad. <laughs> but they have no one to compete against. So it's like, mm-hmm. you will eat this spaghetti with like an old like can of tomatoes on it and we mm-hmm. will charge you $20 for mm-hmm. it. And like, what you going to do about it? Right. Yeah. So that's probably the best part and not having to sleep in like creepy old hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Which definitely, (laughs) we also did that as well. Yeah. So, um, so the Expos Awards were last night. Mm -hmm. Uh, did you go? I did not go. I hung out in my van. Um, everyone in LA has COVID or has been exposed to COVID and I have work next week and I, was only nominated for one award anyways. And same. Yeah. <gasps> and I knew I wasn't going to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always forget to like submit myself for stuff. Same. I remember the day after. So <laughs> yeah, it that. was not, it's nice to know that I worked hard enough that I ended up with a nomination without asking for one. Um, that's really 
the most that I care about is like, did I work enough that I don't have to ask to be nominated? Mm -hmm. And I did. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was nice. I would have gone just because I was already here and whatever, but everyone was sick and um, I really didn't like that you didn't have to have a COVID test to attend. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they changed the rules or maybe I misinterpreted them and then they restated them, which was if you're vaccinated, you can mm-hmm. come in and there was no test required. And I know vaccinated people that got sick. So I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to become one of them. So I just kind of opted out of it and it was nice. I mean, my agent didn't go because of COVID for the same reason. So there wasn't a lot of pressure on me to go. Mm-hmm. I reached out to them and let them know I wasn't going to show up because I had, you know, a signing booth and stuff as well mm-hmm. at the expo. And they were like, that's completely understandable. Thanks for telling us. Yeah. So, yeah, I, um, I just, you know, I got tested last week and I am negative. I am also vaccinated and I've also had COVID. So like, I feel like I'm pretty, pretty clear, but, um, it's interesting because interesting because for me we have to get tested even if you're vaccinated we have to get tested every seven days mm-hmm. and that's we don't even have more than like seven people on on set yeah. and that's crew you know and if you're a model I think it's like three days even mm-hmm. if you're vaccinated yeah it's somewhere between one and three days depending on I think just like the group conscience right right so yeah I got tested on Saturday and today yeah <laughs> it's kind of crazy right I mean yeah. just like I don't know the world that we live in I was talking to. A friend of mine about that this morning. Um, but so back to the awards. So just in general, like, because I've noticed that awards seasons always kind of bring out like a lot of resentments in people. I see a lot of people post that like, they're really upset that they don't get nominated or they don't win. And that like, you know, they're not going to win because like they didn't, you know, spend enough money on ads at whatever like companies, you know, whether it's ABN yeah. or expos. Um, or they didn't have a big enough budget for their move, what, whatever. I just see like a lot of resentment come up and a lot of conspiracy theories that it's always the same people because they like pay for their awards. Um, and I just wonder like, what do you think about that? Do you think that people put too much, um, like into awards? Like, is there like too much importance placed on whether or not you win? I think so. I think. I mean, I think everyone likes getting an award, yeah. you know, like you're like, oh, cool, shiny. Yeah. Um, but I have never based my career off of it. I have somehow skated by and been what I consider successful for several years mm-hmm. um, with never winning an AVN and never winning an Expos award. I've won all porn awards, um, which makes more sense for me. But um, the whole money thing I thought was complete BS and – I think it's misled that mm-hmm. people say it's like you buy your awards. And I think what people are buying is a PR person who submits them well. Mm-hmm. So they get a lot of nominations and they have a higher chance of winning, which I never do. Um, I um, have a PR person who reminds me like out of the kindness of his heart to submit myself. And then I always forget because it's not that important to me. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, I mean, it's nice to win. Like I said before, um, the only thing that matters to me really is being nominated in some way. And I think last year I didn't have any, but I don't remember um, for one of the award shows. But it's just kind of like a check, like a self-check. Like, okay, I worked a lot. I did some stuff that was good. I was good. My performance was good enough or whatever uh, feature 
cast me because they thought I was good enough or whatever it is. Um, and my name is somewhere on the list yeah. and that makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm on track. And when that doesn't happen, which I think was last year, I was like, Oh no, maybe I was a little lazy this year. Or maybe mm-hmm. I, uh, was too burnt out and didn't have amazing performances or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of look at myself and see how I can be better, but I don't yell at AVN or XBiz or like, <laughs> you know, like make up some theory as to why I'm like, Oh, I must've not worked enough and I didn't nominate myself. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I never nominate myself ever. And, um, I find it strange that that it is feel, it does feel a little weird, right? Yeah. Cause wouldn't everybody nominate themselves even if you did like a really shitty job. Right. Like, because with the Academy Awards, there's an Academy, right? Mm-hmm. And they nominate people. I don't know. I don't really know how it works, but, um, you know, people, it's funny because people are surprised that I've never won an AVN award. And I'm I think surprised. it's because I've been in the industry so long. They're like, you should have won one by now. Right. Um, but a lot of stuff that I do is web-based. Um, mm. And especially back in the day, I was shooting just for internet. I never shot anything for features, anything for movies, anything that went on a DVD. Like before, everything that was nominated um, as like a movie or whatever had to be like distributed on a DVD to even be eligible. Gotcha. Um, if you were just shooting for web, like that didn't count. Now they have web categories like mm-hmm. web director of the year versus like feature director of the year, et cetera, which I'm still not nominated for. <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, and, and I, I see people, you know, post about like being very upset that they haven't been nominated. And I try to kind of, you know, reassure people, like, I don't think that that's a barometer by which you should measure your success. I think mm-hmm. it's like, you know, do you feel artistically fulfilled by what you did this year? Like, did you work a lot? Like, did you do well financially? Like, are you like happy with where you are? I think those are better measures of success. So, um, not that if I did win an award, I wouldn't go up on the stage and be like, thank you everybody. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm callous enough that I would still do that. But, um, I'm also like fine not being in that category as well. Right. Yeah. I had a friend I was speaking to and we were both deciding if we wanted to go or not. And I said I was up for best trans scene. Um, It was like a random scene with Casey Kisses. And there were so many features with trans people this year. And mine was just a random web series that I was like, probably not going to win, but it was really good. So maybe. Yeah. And um, my friend was like, I was only going to go because I'm also nominated for a best trans scene. Mm -hmm. And um, we just made a joke at each other. We're like, it's on and sent a little like boxing gift to each other and stuff. And I think that is a way better way to approach it. And we just kind of jokingly were like, may the better person win, you know? And, um, neither of us won and (laughs) neither of us cared. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of like an interesting dynamic. I mean, you know, we want to be rewarded for the hard work that we put in, but also too, I think that people, people think it's, more important than it is. I mean, I've seen girls like sobbing hysterically in the bathroom at award mm-hmm. shows because they didn't win mm-hmm. like a certain award and just like shouldn't matter that much. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so speaking of uh, best scenes, um, you know, 2021 was kind of a, a weird year, better than 2020, but still like a weird year. Um, what do you think are some of the best performances that you did do in 2021? Oh my God. I barely worked last year. Um, Hmm. I'm so bad at timelines. I think, 
I think I had a really good DP last year. Okay. <laughs> and I think I also... When you say, I think, you mean you think it was last year, not Correct. the year before. Not like you're not sure if it was good. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was um, pretty good. Last year, I think I just kind of shot a more variety of things instead mm-hmm. of really like honing in something and like mm-hmm. shining at anything. Um, I worked a lot actually in 2020 Mm. and then I started climbing and then this last year was just kind of back and forth between showing up to work and going climbing and not that my performances were bad, but I think mentally I was so distracted that it's not a very bright memory, but I think my DP was shot last year, um, for Perv City. And who was that with? With, uh, Ramon Namar and Michael Stefano. Yeah. Awesome. See how far I'm like, uh, yeah. two classics that, yes. um, we have shot a lot in the past. They've actually been around for so long that my mom used to shoot them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My mom shot Ramon when he was 18. Oh my gosh. I have pictures of him when he was like 18. <gasps> I have to see that from you later, but yeah, they're both great. I, um, had never worked with Michael Stefano before. If you tell me I'm doing anal with Ramon, I'm like, cool. Like, do you want me to squirt? Like what else do you want? Because yeah. it's so like I, my body just knows that it's going to work mm-hmm. um, cuz it's happened so many times somehow mm-hmm. um that it's always a really good scene i'm able to really relax and get into it and be crazy and be a little wilder and have really high energy cuz i'm not like concerned that he's going to like move and slip out and hurt me or whatever right you're saying specifically with ramon specifically with ramon and then michael stefano i'd trust i feel like claudio uh, pairs people up really well for DPs. Right. And so I was just, yeah, it was in 2021. Yeah. I was just like really excited and ready for it. What is it about working with someone like Ramon that makes like the scene go so well? Um, I think at least with me and I can't speak for other performers, but with me, he seems very intuitive of my reactions to him, um, where I never have to kind of hold him back or, pull him in or even tap him really um probably just because he's been doing it so long he's just so aware of like the tiniest little adjustment I do and then he adjusts further and then it's great and Mm -hmm. um I think it's been like that since the first shoot I had with him Mm -hmm. plus it's been like seven times now or something Mm -hmm. so like it's just gotten better and better and yeah so it's just trustworthy and I feel like anal for me I have to be um pretty like confident about it that day. Not Mm -hmm. because I'm worried about an accident. Just I'm like, my butthole's really shy. (laughs) It is. It takes a minute to warm up to people. And he's always just been really good at warming me up on camera, um, keeping it sexy while doing that and like getting me into it and, and just listening to Mm -hmm. me. So I don't know. I think we just have really good on screen chemistry and it's like real. Yeah. 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 That's great. I mean, that's like, I definitely think pairing people with the right performers is is everything mm-hmm. for a good scene. So how do you generally prepare for anal? Like, how do you get yourself ready for a scene? <laughs> I'm so lazy. Um, I am not crazy about it. Like, as far as, like, some girls have, like, three-day-long preparations. Um, I eat whatever I want almost until the moment we're shooting. Um, I will like adjust and not eat like beets or like a salad or like something like that. Like I'll end up eating more like bread and carbs and pasta and stuff, uh, the night before and like the morning of, I just have toast and I take some Imodium in the morning. I 
clean out, stretch out, take another, and then like somewhere makeup happens. And then I take another Imodium right before. And then I just say, I tell the performer that my butthole is shy and to be nice to it. And then they just have to like kiss me and go really slow. Um, also coming right beforehand helps for some mm-hmm. reason. Um, no, I know girls who bring vibrators to set mm-hmm. who like get really? themselves to orgasm first so that they're more like pliable and ready to go. Wow. I've seen girls do that. Yeah. I don't think anyone even told me to do that. I just, it happened one day probably mm-hmm. with Ramon. He probably made me come. And then mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that was easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> makes a big difference. Yeah. So I'll make myself come. And then, um, I usually eat right before as well because I have lessened my food intake and lessened my nutrients. Cause I'm just eating like bread. Um, so usually they'll have food or I'll bring food and I'll eat it right before. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And then just do the scene. And I think the more relaxed I am about it and I, I clean out the night before fully, mm-hmm. like overdo it. And then the morning of, I like barely rinse. Mm-hmm. Um, cause a lot of people put too much water and then it can get kind of stuck up there. Right. And then they, it can get dislodged during the scene. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even if it's just water, happen. you're like, Oh my gosh, what's yeah. happening? So, um, yeah, so I don't really clean much the day of, I do it the night before, um, the day of is more just like stretching prep. And then Mm -hmm. it takes about 10 minutes into the scene where it looks fine, but like, we're not being crazy. And then from like 10 to 30 or 40 minutes, they're just like, Whoa, like you really Mm -hmm. settled into this. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So I like anal, but my butthole, uh, is picky, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It's funny because I, I know that you're good friends with Joanna Angel mm-hmm. and she, and we all know her as like the queen of angel of angel. Well, she's also an angel, but she's the queen of anal is what I mean. And she, uh, it's funny cause I had Ryan Keeley on and Ryan Keeley was telling me about how Joanna gave her advice on like, um, pasta and breads and everything mm-hmm. and telling her like, you can eat, you know, before a scene, because mm-hmm. I think Ryan said one of the big reasons that she didn't want to do anal was cause she didn't want to have to starve herself for right. like, two days. She's like, I just can't like, I'll get hangry. Mm-hmm. And so when Joanna disclosed to her like, Oh no, you can have like these carbs and stuff like that. She was like, she called it anal pasta. I think is what anal she called pasta. it. That's cute. <laughs> and, um, and I actually, before I met my, my current husband, um, I was seeing somebody who was really large and liked anal. And I actually remembered calling Joanna and being like, Joanna, like I met this guy and he's really into anal. Like, I know that you have all the advice. Can you help me? Yeah. And she yeah, did. she she does. She was one of the people that was like, I eat right before anal. And I was like, yeah, I eat breakfast. I have coffee in the morning. I don't care. I take some Imodium. Yeah. I know she does that as well. Um, I, I worked with her yesterday um, and we were going to do anal and I backed out. I was like, hey, you know what? My butt's being mean to me today. We're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's fine. It was content trade. So, it was, you know, there wasn't like something on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and she still did it. And I watched her eat an egg and a slice of cheese right before it. Like mm-hmm. she popped an emodium, ate her breakfast and then was like, okay, let's shoot. Yeah. Um, and I think that lessening the stress on yourself, like really, really helps your body do what you want it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I shot with Kieran Lee, uh, browsers has like a new gonzo thing and they're getting all the tattooed girls and doing anal scenes for them, which oh, is cool. great. Cause they're yeah. like finding space for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, I told them it was like my butthole shy, blah, blah, blah. And we ordered food and it was like California chicken cafe. It wasn't carbs. It was like vegetables and chicken. And, um, I had already eaten my whole wrap and he didn't see me. And I was like, 
oh, that dinner was so good. And I think he misheard me. I think he heard like dinner smells good or something. He's like, oh, go eat. I don't care. And I was like, Kieran, I already ate all of it. And he was just like, smiled. And he's like, good girl. (laughs) But it just, it shows a level of comfortability with your body. And like, you know, um, and the seed went great. And as a performer, you need to learn to Mm -hmm. know your body. And some people can't. I'm not saying it's like amateur to to not eat. Some people can't. I have to, or I will faint. (laughs) Like I have nothing to work with. I'm very thin. So if I go five hours without eating, I'm going to be you know, getting lightheaded and a terrible performance. Yeah. You don't want that. Mm -hmm. So both Kieran and Ramon are not circumcised. Mm -hmm. Do you find, I've heard, um, that that is easier for girls with anal. Have you found that to be true? I have heard that to be true and I've never thought about it, but everyone that's not circumcised is very easy, but also I dated someone that was very into anal like every day. Like I didn't even prep for it. My body was just ready all the time somehow Mm -hmm. for him. And he wasn't circumcised, and it was fine. Or he was, he was circumcised. He was circumcised. He did not have foreskin. Um, and it was fine. I think it more matters, like, the shape. Like, if they're curvy or have a really big head, it can be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but supposedly, the foreskin creates less friction because mm-hmm. it's absorbing some of their movement mm-hmm. for you. But to be honest, I haven't noticed a difference in like the friction level. I think Mm -hmm. it's more just about getting like the head in and sometimes having the skin there, like just protects you a little. Right. Right. So, um, let's talk about, uh, the beginnings of Rocky Emerson. How did you get into the adult industry? Um, like porn specifically. So I was already camming and had strips, which I hate doing. Um, I don't stay up late. So then I cammed during the morning times actually. And, um, was part of like a kink community of sorts, like just had kinky friends would go have play dates and whatever. And, um, I met Ian Rath who works at extreme restraints as a photographer. He's not a um, performer or anything. And I don't even know how we got connected, but we did. And, um, I lived in orange County at the time. I moved to the Bay area and he knew that. And he said, I'm coming to San Francisco he was a guest of Aiden Star for um, the upper floor, mm-hmm. and which he, is part for those you don't know, it's a part of like um, Kink.com's um, armory. Mm-hmm. Like there was a bunch of different floors, and each floor had its own kind of kink specialist, and the upper floor was was one of them. And they would have like a party um, where it, I mean, it is like there is non-performers there they sign a release form and they know what they're getting into mm-hmm. um but they film sex scenes in the middle of a party that um you're free to play at and um so ian invited me as his guest because aiden was performing and i showed up and i kept scooting closer to the performers and it was aiden stark kira noir melissa moore and owen gray like all fantastic that's a, that's a great combo yes yeah <laughs> And I didn't know any of them at the time. And I kept scooting forward and like trying to be closer to like be in the background for Mm -hmm. the camera. And I was like tied up and I was like just inching and like looking at it. And, um, Ian looks like when you see those reporters, like giving like a live (laughs) report, like on some street about, and and then you see the people in the background, like, yeah, (laughs) that was you, but you were tied up. You said I was tied up. In some fashion, I forget. So like, just like just like, my arms. And I was like, like, you back, you're like hey. <laughs> um, and Ian looked at me and he was, he said, little girl, 
do you want to do porn? And I looked at him and was just like, uh, and had no answer. Mm -hmm. And then he responded, if you didn't want to, you would have said no by now. Yeah. And it wasn't in like a pressury way. It was in a, like, we'd known each other for a long time. It was Mm -hmm. in like a, I know you and you would have said no. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I also fell in love with Ruckus, who was the PA that night. And (laughs) I was just like, had the cutest little porn crush on Ruckus forever. I still do. And, um, followed them on Twitter and, hit them up and said, do you want to do a photo shoot together? Sorry, it's such a long story. And um, he hit up Owen Gray and said, do you want to take photos of me and this girl? She's like a cam girl. She lives up here. And Owen was like, sure. So we went and took photos of us. That's all we did. And then Owen messaged me and was like, I'd really like to shoot just me and you sometime. And I was like, okay. And I went and got tested at Planned Parenthood because I didn't know anything. (laughs) And I like told him and he was like, well, did you get everything done? And we had to like work really hard to get the results because it wasn't easy. It wasn't like our testing facility. Yeah. Which is set up to give you like next day results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I went to his house and he shot me and I guess that was technically my first porn, but it was like a trade scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's like the super long story. It was just like all these series of events of me just kind of being like, I don't know, I guess so. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Owen and Ruckus really kind of rooted for me and introduced me to Mickey and I just made friends with all the San Francisco people and they just kind of kept throwing my name out randomly mm-hmm. and a few people threw me a bone and here I am. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we're going to come back and we're going to hear a little bit more about Rocky's porn journey. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Dipsy. Emails, laundry, groceries, the list goes on. There's a lot that's on your to-do list, but what should be at the top? The answer is you. And this year, you should put yourself first with the help of Dipsy. Dipsy Stories is an app full of sexy audio stories, and now they even have brand new written stories. No matter who you're into or what turns you on, Dipsy helps bring the stories to life anytime anywhere. Close your eyes and let yourself get lost in a world where only good things happen and pleasure is your only priority. Explore your fantasies in a safe, shame-free way. There are hundreds of stories to choose from and they release new content every week so there's always more to explore. They also have wellness sessions to help you wind down and explore and sleep sessions to help you drift off. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash Holly. That's 30 days full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Holly. That's dipsystories.com slash Holly. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Like a Kitten. Valentine's Day is around the corner. How many times have you gotten your partner flowers and chocolate? Listen, guys, it's getting old. This Valentine's Day, spice things up with Like a Kitten's Couple Box. The Valentine's Couple Box is a one-stop shop for all your sexy Valentine's Day essentials. Don't waste hours researching lubes, vibrators, and accessories. Just grab a Valentine's Couples Box and you will be all set for a spectacular night. This box has ingredients to heighten all of your senses. You can paint each other with edible chocolate CBD body paint, 
and have each other for dessert. Or if your partner's a fan of nipple play, you can make each other's night with a fun feather tickler or the sex kitten nipple bells. You can even enhance your sex with some vibration. The couple's box comes with a beautiful heart-shaped vibrator and your choice of a dual arousal cock ring or a red rose anal plug. Like a Kitten's mission is to help women own their power in all areas of life. A portion of all sales goes to charities that focus on women's empowerment, education, and health. And right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off plus free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash holly or enter holly at checkout. Likeakitten.com slash holly. The link is also in this episode's description. All right, guys, we are back. So, Rocky, what's your favorite part about working in porn? Um, oh, my gosh. Excuse me, I burped. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it was really nice to just have a job I wanted to go to that put me in a position to be, like, financially independent um, and, like, time-wise independent and was actually really good for my mental health. Mm. It's like a lot of things. So how so? Because I mean, as you know, the many, you know, anti-porn crusaders would say <laughs> that porn is the exact opposite. It's terrible for your mental health. Um, it gave me a lot of autonomy over my own body. Not that I didn't have it, but it gave me like a platform to show that I had autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I never did anything I didn't want to do. And I was always given the opportunity to say no. Mm-hmm. And that was really nice. You don't get that. Like the real world tells, you no all the time, yeah. even if it's disrespectful to you, you mm-hmm. know, and in porn, everyone was just so, and is so concerned about safety and boundaries and consent. Um, so that was really nice. And then, yeah, I just like never would really like my jobs. I'd get burnt out and upset. And I was just, I just felt like I was like struggling forever Mm -hmm. Um, and had changed careers so many times and was just perpetually upset about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this job just like felt right. And I could choose to work or not. I can be available or not. Obviously, if it's booked, I have to show up. But if something's happening, but you can choose to take the booking or not take the booking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So if something's going on in my life where I'm upset and I think the shoot will be fun and nice and distracting, I get to do that. Or if I'm just completely incapable of performing, um, I can be like, you know what? I'm not available this week. Yeah. Um, and that was really, really freeing to not have to show up for minimum wage. You know, I went to beauty school and I was making minimum wage for years yeah. and I was, I would see how much I was charging people. And like just the commission scales and everything is built in such a way that you have to make so much money and kill yourself at work to make more than minimum wage. Even if you're getting the commission, it evens out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so to just know what I'm getting paid and show up and do that. And then, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. I spend a lot of time on the computer and social media and all that stuff, but I didn't have to show up every single day Mm -hmm. for 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I was just someone who was wired and able and willing and wanting to do porn. Um, So it's not like I was upset about porn, but the money made it okay or anything like that. It was just everything worked out and I made good money. And I was like, wow, I've loved all of my jobs and this one actually pays my bills. Mm -hmm. So So it sounds like there's like a couple of different factors as to what made your experience positive. Because I always want to acknowledge that 
you know, there are people who come into porn who have bad experiences for mm-hmm. sure. Cause I don't think it's the industry is right for everybody. Right. Um, so you said that you always, you know, worked on sets that were professional and that were safe and respected your boundaries. Um, so I know that you kind of started, well, your journey started at kink, mm-hmm. you know, just being at that, that part, that upper floor party. Did you work a lot like in BDSM at the beginning? Yes. So I think I, from all my talks to so many different people who are in the BDSM community, despite what I think most, most people from the outside think, because it looks so like intense and crazy and you tie people up because I think the scenes are so intense and crazy. The level of communication and the boundary setting is really like the best in BDSM than it is in like, say other vanilla parts of the adult industry. And I have found as somebody who works pretty much exclusively in like the vanilla part Mm -hmm. that especially when we had that whole like kind of me too wave that came through and suddenly, you know, a lot of my clients started to recognize like, wow, we really need to make sure that we like discuss boundaries. Um, so much of that, we, there was so much to learn from the BDSM community. Um, and so it sounds like, you know, being in that environment, like, you know, you, you had that, And, um, do you think that you also just met the right people first? So you were able to like pick and choose the sets that you were on and and you, you worked with good people because, you know, we do hear the stories about the girls that come in, they don't know anything. They get paired up with like some shitty agent who sends them to like these really skeezy sets Mm -hmm. where they don't give a shit about you and they don't respect your boundaries and they intimidate you into doing things that you don't want to do. Um, so do you think that your experience like was kind of unique in that way? Um, I think that I like in the, as of turning 18 grew up, Mm -hmm. um, in the BDSM community before I came into porn productions. Mm -hmm. And so I already had been taught and I also had, I think that's where it starts is I met the right people at that point Mm -hmm. who taught me consent and boundaries and communication and all of that. Um, cause I know people have a bad experience in that world as well. And I got very lucky cause that's when I was, you know, uneducated or whatever and incapable of like navigating those situations. Mm -hmm. I had really good educators. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I came into porn, yes, I just kind of ended up with more of those people. Um, But I also came in later in life. I don't know how old I started. I'm sorry, 24, 25, something like that. So I'm like seven years older than these 18-year-old girls who don't know what's going on and, Mm -hmm. you know, see a thousand bucks and they're like, you can do anything. And then they are upset after, which is not their fault. It's they're being taken advantage of, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like 24, 25, able to advocate for myself seven years doing BDSM as a bottom. So really needing to know how to be safe. Um, but I mean, I've walked out of sets that were absolutely horrible. Mm. Um, and I can see how that could have gone terribly wrong if I didn't. So it's not like I've never ended up in a bad situation. Right. I just was able to catch it in time and not have that super terrible experience. Um, yeah, I (laughs) I walked into a set one time and this man was just so, I don't even remember, like suddenly the talent canceled. It was talent from a different country who didn't have a Twitter, but he was real talent. So he just threw a name out basically and he canceled, but the director is magically tested and he's just going to do it. And it's basically like a casting couch, facial abuse type situation. And it was to be a rough scene and 
he's like, I'll just shoot it and film it with you. And I was like, no, thanks. And I stopped writing my information on the paper. I didn't even want him to have my information on my release form. And then he actually laid cash out on the table and looked at me and said, you're telling me you're not, you don't want this, that you don't need this money. And I was like, nope. <laughs> and I walked out. <laughs> um, so that exists. Do you think that that, that was on purpose? Cause I absolutely. feel like it was. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I've heard that trick before. Yeah. That performer didn't exist for us. Yeah. He was never booked. Um, I reached out Charles Dara, actually sweetheart saw me tweet about it and texted me and was like, who was that? I've been around forever. I know basically enough to help you figure out if you just lost a real job. Mm-hmm. And I told him, he's like, I've never heard of that man. I sent him the number. He's like, the number's not in my phone. And he checked with probably Donnie Rock and a few other people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I am so happy you left. So that was really nice of him. I think it was Charles. It might've been Donnie and then Charles. Either way. It was they're those, like those the same, two. They're, they're the, like the same person. Yeah. <laughs> the, those two checked on me. Um, so yeah, it exists. But I think that my... Yeah, my BDSM community taught me, and then my intro to porn was very safe, and I just didn't end up in a lot of bad situations. Mm -hmm. Had even I had to walk out of multiple scenes like that in the beginning, I probably would have said, like, porn is bullshit. I don't want to be here. Yeah. Um, But it was one out of, you know, however many. Right, right. How did you get that job? Do you have an agent at the time? I just signed with an agent for the first time starting Mm -hmm. this year. Okay. So everything I've done was on my own, um, and it was grueling to sort through all of the fake producers um which is i'm just at this point bored of it so i hired an agent mostly so that i don't have to do that and i don't have to like hit up every director all the time right um but yeah new girls that either have a bad agent or don't have an agent definitely definitely end up in bad situations and i think it's partially not their fault but they're they're being misguided or misunderstanding of mm-hmm. what they're agreeing to and ending up in the wrong places and and also the people pretending to mm-hmm. be in porn. Yeah, I mean, it's like you hear those stories and, of course, those are the stories that the mainstream media latches on to because mm-hmm. they always want to push this narrative that porn is terrible all around, everybody's the same, we're all, you know. Um, but what they don't see is, like, that's not actually our... No. That's not our business. Like, that person... I don't consider it to be in porn, whether they make porn and they have a website or whatever, that person is not in porn and therefore should never reflect on us. Right. Which is the horrible thing because they're like, well, this guy did this and this girl did this and whatever. And, and we're all like, that's not us. (laughs) You know, like that's not how we operate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we definitely get a bad name from people that aren't even really part of our industry. And the thing that, because I've thought a lot about this, like how could we prevent those stories from happening? You know, how could we prevent young girls from coming into the industry and getting um, misguided and getting, you know, um, represented by the wrong people, sent to the wrong shoots? And, you know, there's just like, there's no media literacy about porn Mm -hmm. and, and about how to get in safely. I think because the mainstream media you know, has this one-sided view of porn as being evil and being degrading and being exploitative. So, you know, they never feature, you know, like it would be nice to have like a story out there, or even if you Googled like, you know, like how can I get into porn and have like a legitimate producer or a legitimate organization from the industry say, hey, let's give you like information that will help Mm -hmm. you um, decide A, 
if you want to actually be in porn, because, mm-hmm. you know, we've said it's not for everybody. Um, and then B, if you do like how to navigate this world safely, because yeah, it's, you know, it's a, I mean, we, we're, we self-regulate, right. But it's not really like, there's no like overseeing body that absolutely mm-hmm. regulates everything. So you can end up with the wrong people. Um, I just wish that there was some way that we could, that there could be like a one source place that, that people would find when they, but yeah. it's just like, where do you go and look for that if you don't know anything about the porn industry? Well, and then we also, I feel like it's almost, we keep it exclusive to protect ourselves because if we gave them all of the information, mm-hmm. anyone who didn't actually read all of it, didn't actually decide if they want to be in porn yeah. or if they're a respectful person would take those resources, come wreak havoc, and then eventually fizzle out, which we see all the time. Right. People show up in the industry, we're like, whoa, you're not great. And then they disappear. (laughs) And so I feel like if we gave everyone the steps to show up and made it super easy, there would be more of that, which is also a problem because I want to educate people all the time. I have random dudes ask me all the time and I am guilty of, I just say, get an agent. Yeah. And I don't tell them like what agent to trust or anything because I'm like, I don't want to invite you in and have you say, I gave you the information. I don't even know you. And then have you treat someone incorrectly. And so- I don't know. I I think there is like trials that you have to get through to be in porn that prove that you are the type of person who can be here. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think there needs to be more information. So maybe once we see someone who's actually found their way in, who's actually going to work and just, if they ask a question, answer it. Like I do that all the time. I make myself available to any new person who seems like they're actually trying and not just trying to get paid for sex, you know, like it's more than that. Yeah. And so anyone who seems genuinely interested in making this their career, I'll be like, Hey, if you have any questions, like here's some agents to trust, you know, like if you're not sure about a company, like if any person, no matter who it is or what their name is or how long they've been around any person emails me and says, have you worked for this person? I will tell them my exact experience. Mm -hmm. I think that would be one of the resources that should be told about more is like, if you want to get into porn, email resources. Like that is the biggest thing. And also like your family's going to find out. (laughs) Yeah. Number one. Yeah. Though to be fair though, like a lot of girls that I've interviewed who have become really successful and have come into this with like a mind of like, this is a career choice. And, Mm -hmm. and I actually really want to approach this in a professional aspect, have done their research and have found like the right people to ask Mm -hmm. because it's like, I mean, to be honest, it's, I guess if you're somewhat savvy in terms of just like looking stuff up, it's like finding a plastic surgeon, right? You know, like if you look around enough and visit enough like websites, you're going to kind of figure out maybe who the best people Mm -hmm. to consult with are and et cetera. Um, And they've been able to, you know, navigate this. But yeah, I think sometimes when you have people come in, especially if they're young, if they, um, you know, don't really have the wherewithal to do their research and they need money fast or, you know, just generally don't make good life choices overall. Mm -hmm. Um, they can fall into that trap. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a little bit naive of me to like think that there's some way that I could like protect everybody from having a bad porn experience, but maybe that's just not, that's not it. It would be really nice, but I, I do think unfortunately if we put all the information out there, it, it just leaves the floodgates open for more bad things to happen, yeah. which sucks. Yeah. Cause if you, if you give everyone the information, they'll exploit it. Cause 
Lots of humans are not nice people. <laughs> this is true. I mean, you can exploit it in every industry, right? Mm-hmm. The porn industry is no different. Right. It's just like the, it's about sex. So people like to demonize it because mm-hmm. we, we as a society are afraid of sex yes, I know. so much. Oh man. So, um, you are tallest girl in porn. Yes. Um, well, there's Ava Cox in the UK who is also listed as six, three. Okay. We have not met each other. Oh, so we gotta do get out. Yeah. Do you, um, I mean, do you ever get like, is there, what are the disadvantages and advantages to that? Um, when I was new, nobody wanted to hire me. <laughs> um, but now it, it gets played on a lot, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, I've seen those pictures of you and Joanna. Mm-hmm. Joanna loves it. Cause Joanna is so short. It's our, both of our number one photos on Instagram every year. Yeah. It's insane. Why do you think that is? Like people do love that whole, love it. like, and, and you see it with other people too. Like the tall, short, mm-hmm. like big, small, like, I don't know. I think it's just, um, it gives them more point of reference. You know, like I'm always in heels or she's always with short people or whatever. And then you put us next to each other and it's the shortest and the tallest. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if she's the shortest, but you know. She's not the shortest. I know Madison Ivy shorter than her. Oh my God. For sure. That's such a tiny person. Yeah. I want to meet. Madison. She's awesome. Small um, person, big personality. Yeah. But we like, and we look similar. And so it's like, whoa, like two yeah. tattooed girls who look so similar or so different. We share clothes too, as long as it's not like a dress. Mm-hmm. Me and Joanna share clothes. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just think they, I just think they love it. But yeah, when I was new, they tried to hook me up with all the tall guys and none of them are as tall as me. Um, and then they put me with all the short guys and then that got old and now I just get cast, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when I was new, it had to be a thing mm-hmm. or else they wouldn't cast me they were like you have a lot of tattoos and you're super tall like mm-hmm. what do we do with you and then I guess maybe my sales were good or something because mm-hmm. I mean it's, I don't know four or five years later and it's not as much you're getting cast involved. just like mm-hmm. just because you're a good performer I mostly do gonzo because of it mm-hmm. mostly because I can't be someone's mom because I look young and have tattoos I can't be someone's sister because I'm a foot taller than them mm-hmm. um I get put in prison movies. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's just, it's still a storyline, but there's no like age or relation mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, you know, it's also hard. I will say like from a director standpoint, it's hard to shoot like something like a feature where there's a lot of like dialogue scenes, like face to face interaction <laughs> with people who are two totally different heights because mm-hmm. In mainstream, you know, you get that all the time and, and they'll actually, you know, put people on Apple boxes or they'll take the, cause they have the time. Mm-hmm. Like I remember seeing one scene with Tom Cruise, who's shorter than most people re- realize and somebody else who was significantly taller and like learning about the behind the scenes. And it was, they were walking next mm-hmm. to each other and talking. Um, so obviously you can't put them on a box. They literally dug a trench for the other guy to walk in so that he was like the same height as Tom Cruise. They did that with, I believe Robert Downey Jr. for, um, the Marvel movies. Okay. They like build him a walkway. So when they're walking and they're all like, yeah, Superman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's on a walkway higher (laughs) than the other guys and you can tell the proportions are slightly off, but they need it as a pretty shot. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I wish we could do that. I, I did a scene with Mick blue who I love and, we were a married couple and we were fighting and it, 
<laughs> I'm so much taller than him. And it was like, it was this really intense thing where he's like mad at me. So he's like throwing me around, but I'm like a foot taller than him. And, um, I mean, it was fine. We did it. But I remember the whole day being like for, for a married couple that's like fighting and kind of having like makeup fighting sex. He put me with like the shortest guy you could find. Like, okay, whatever. (laughs) But I mean, I date people shorter than me. I, I think it's also important to just put me with whoever and just break the idea that, I have to date someone who's six foot seven or something. I don't yeah. Know. Have you find that to be difficult in your personal life? Cause again, you know, we were talking a little bit before the podcast, my, my sister is six feet tall, like mm-hmm. almost six one. And she found it tricky to date in high school because she was so tall. People taller than me freak me out because I'm not used to them. Mm. I get really, really like uncomfortable. I mean, mm. I get over it. Yeah. But I'm always like, Ugh. so I'm actually, I think, less attracted to people who are significantly taller than me. Um, my boyfriend is like six feet tall and mm. it's fine. Um, he feels small to me. He's just like thin and shorter mm-hmm. than me, but I don't, I'm not like, Oh, I'm not attracted to you. I'm just like, I'm bigger than you. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just yeah. a fact. Um, yeah. I would date someone taller than me, but I think it would take several dates for me to even relax enough to feel like safe. When I hug people that are taller than me, I feel suffocated. I'm not used to having my face. Right. Constructed. You're used to having like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's usually That's around six feet that I date, but like the person I dated before him is five, seven or eight. And it, was never a big deal. He would just say that people were staring at us. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I remember when I was on Tinder, where, this is actually where I met my husband, but um, guys would always complain when I would like match with them and talk to them that uh, height was a thing. Mm-hmm. Like height was like a big thing for guys to put on their Tinder profile. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't put their height on their Tinder profile, the first thing girls would ask them is what their height was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes, you know, guys would be like, so are you going to ask me how tall I am? And I was like, well, actually, yes. <laughs> my, <laughs> my boyfriend is so strong. Like, I think I just want them to be like at least strong or like able to keep up with me. Like yeah. if you're very small and not athletic, um, that's a problem. But like, he can like pick me up with one arm, man. Mm-hmm. I, he can make me feel small if I need to feel small, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> But also, if I had to date people taller than me, most dudes that are over 6'3 are, um, they know they're over 6'3. Mm-hmm. That's a way to put it nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to be stuck to just the pool who's like, I'm rare and special and like mm-hmm. just has this. Because then your entire dating is just like this ego of like, you know, he gets to pick and choose who he wants to be with instead of really getting to know someone. And I feel like when I allow any height to exist and they feel the same way, Mm -hmm. we actually get to know each other. Yeah. And that's just how I feel as a six foot three person. Right. You know, maybe if I was like five, nine, I'd want someone a little taller than me or something, but I'm so far out of reach that like, I was just like, whoever's nice to me. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. No, that, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so you took a year off working in the industry. Um, why did you leave and what made you decide to come back? Um, I think, honestly, it was only like six months. But it feels like a year in porn. We moved so fast. So you took six months off working <laughs> in the industry. <laughs> it's okay. I think I even call it a year. Um, I did what every good porn girl does. And I met a dude in a band. 
And then he said he didn't like my job, and then I quit for him. Mm. Um, <laughs> I've never heard that story before. <laughs> Joanna and I were talking about it the other day. She's like, every girl does it, and then if they come back, they have a comeback, and then they're good, and then they're here. Yeah. <laughs> or they never come back. And I was like, I came back. Um, so I came back. Uh, it was a nice experiment with my life. Um, I also had a lot of like personal family stuff going on, and someone who like cared about me said, you know, maybe you should stop working. And I think I was just going through a lot and it all happened at once. Um, it's not fully his fault. I was being sarcastic, but I did leave and followed him to Tennessee and went back to doing hair and I started bartending and I just kind of, it was kind of a reflection moment to see if this is really what I wanted Mm -hmm. in all reality. And I was really happy out there and also very miserable. Um, I realized that I really missed porn and all of my friends here and I came back and, um, as much as people would say like, I regret it or it was a terrible time or whatever, I think it was really important because every time I do go through something external outside of porn and I start second guessing my feelings or maybe work was hard to go to that day or whatever, I remember that my outside world can affect work, but it doesn't mean I need to quit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just gave me a way more solid like commitment mm-hmm. to the job and to know that I left and I didn't like it out there and I came back home. So, um, and now when I date people, like when I met my, my current boyfriend, um, I made it very, I mean, he was a fan, which we don't have time to talk about, but, mm-hmm. uh, he was a fan of mine who just snuck in and, uh, he invited me climbing and that's how we won. short story. Um, but oh, you're gonna tell that story. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's fine. We have, we have time. Okay. I I made him call me my legal name immediately. I was mm-hmm. like, I am not the porn star that you're obsessed with. I am a person. You can date me. And then I was like, but also, I am that person, just not for you. Mm-hmm. And I just made a very. I was able to like understand what boundary I needed to set. And he has been more than accommodating. He drives me to work. Like you know, yeah. he's great. So. Uh, how did that, cause this is like every fan's dream, you know what I mean? That like I they could actually have the possibility to date their favorite porn star. And usually like those dreams are crushed. Yeah. I love telling fans when they ask me like, would you ever hook up with a fan? I'm like, I'm dating one. Um, so he was a fan of mine for years mm-hmm. and, um, he stopped actually messaging me quick side note for like a year. And it was while he had a girlfriend cause he's a good boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he messaged me on Instagram and, I ignored it and then sent me a meme eventually, like four messages. And they were spread out. He wasn't like, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> um, he sent me a meme that did relate to me and I liked it. And so I wrote back, haha, because I checked my message requests. Please don't send me a bunch of message requests, but I check them. I'm like, that's you not an don't. invitation. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I check mine too and I delete every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, like, it's so rare that I'll answer one. I don't, I don't even like, why. I'll just, you know what I do? I check to see if like a performer mm-hmm. has written to me that's trying to reach me. Yes. Um, and then I delete it. So I th- we had, I shouldn't have said that. Some year. I don't check my messages ever. I never look at them. Oh, don't look at them. Yeah. Don't, don't DM me. <laughs> if you want to reach me, go to OnlyFans. I will. I block people actually who message me. So like actually don't cause you'll get blocked. But he messaged me a few times in a, in a very like relaxed manner and sent me a funny meme and Honestly, I probably had like a beer and was like, haha, and wrote back. Mm-hmm. He just got me on a day I wrote back. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I restricted him 
And then he sent me a few other messages and I ignored him. But I didn't block him because we had, we were both from San Diego and he was followed by some of my friends. Oh, interesting. So I was like, hmm. So I never like really fully got rid of him. I was just like, interesting. Mm -hmm. Who are you? Mm -hmm. And um, he messaged me and said, hey, I see that you go rock climbing sometimes. If you ever want to learn, he actually said a butt ton, which I think is cute. If you ever want to learn a butt ton, I'm a guide out in San Diego. Like, let me know next time you're here. Because he knew that my family was there because he was a fan of mine. And um, I wrote back and I was like, I don't really ever go to San Diego and I don't have time to climb, but like keep in touch. And then he moved to Idlewild, which I thought was closer. And I was like, oh, you're closer. And then I really wanted to climb. I missed climbing. It had been months. I had been injured back and forth, lost my climbing partner. So Mm -hmm. now I'm kind of pursuing it because I'm like, I need a climbing partner. Yeah. And he's a guide. And I wasn't strong or good at it at the time. I needed someone who was good. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I kind of started bugging him about it. And then we were both dating people. So it just wasn't really happening because we were distracted by our other partners. And um, he totally lied to me and I've called him out on it. And it's funny. Uh, He lied to me and said, I'm coming to Las Vegas this weekend. Uh, If you want to go climbing, I'm sure I could make time to take you out. He, he had no plans in Vegas. No, of course no, not. No, 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 no. Oh my God, such a lie. Like, <gasps> if I can carve out some time for you, I'm super busy. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> he told me when I finally called him out on it because I kept it to myself like all year. I recently asked him about it. And he was like, Yeah, I just wouldn't have come to Vegas if you said no. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a pretty like slick move on his part, to right? be honest. And it makes sense. You know, it's yeah. not like. It's not like a crazy stalker move. It wasn't crazy stalker. It was just like, I'm available in Vegas if you are. And yeah. just kind of made it sound like he was there for a different reason. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure. And so I wanted to meet him the day before we were going to climb. He drove his trailer out. I met him at a park. And he was sweet and nice. He like brought me a birthday present. Um, my birthday was like a few days before. And uh, we talked and like went and had dinner. And I was like, where are you going to sleep? Because he was in his trailer. And like, I have a van. I get it. Like. Mm-hmm. Tell people to sleep in your driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trusting him with my life tomorrow. Might as well trust him tonight. Yeah. And so, because um, I was going to bring a friend, I was like, I want to meet you so that I don't have to bring a friend. And he was fine. And came back to my house. We hooked up immediately. And um, definitely by his doing, I was like, I had no idea what was going on. I was just like, oh, this guy wants to go climbing. Oh, we're making out. Oh, we're having sex. That's great. <laughs> uh, not that he like forced himself on me, but I just didn't have that intention at all. It just happened naturally. It just happened. Yeah. And then we went climbing and then we went climbing the next day and he stayed at my house all weekend. And that's when I figured out he had no other plans. And I never said anything to him for a year. That's and I called him out and he was like, that's cute that you remember that. Yeah, I didn't have any plans. So he tricked me. But it worked. Yeah, no kidding. You guys have been together for over a year now? Wow. Yeah. So see, there is hope. All you have to do is just be persistent. Everyone's going to hate me for saying that. Be really good at rock climbing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like finding something in common is yeah. is really important. And the fact that we had mutual friends, we lived in the same neighborhood. We talked a lot before he did show up, which I'm leaving out. Like I ended yeah. up pursuing him because I needed a climbing part as a climbing partner um, and just putting together. We knew some of the same people. And I was like, do you care if I bring a friend so you don't kill me in the desert? And he was yeah. like, yeah, you can bring a friend. And was just so accepting of anything I needed to feel mm-hmm. safe. And knew the same people, and I like told them I was climbing with him, and they're like, "Oh, we love him," you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we forget that like 
guys who are fans of porn are just guys, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're like normal people a lot of the time. Yeah. And he, it's funny. Sometimes he looks at me and he like, gets this little smile. I'm like, what? And he's like, I'm dating my favorite porn star. I was like his favorite. (laughs) That's awesome. And I'm like, that's so cute. Okay. Put that out of your mind. Cause that's not. So it's cute. It's also kind of creepy, but also cute. Yeah. I was like, I'm uncomfortable. But yeah, that's a great story. Thanks. Yeah, I, I've I, I have talked to I think a couple of girls over the years who have dated fans, but it's not common at all. So and it doesn't usually like last. Like he like lives with me. We have a dog. Wow, wow, it's real. You guys I, have a dog together. It's real. It's real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's bringing her to me right now. Actually, <laughs> what kind of dog is it? We found her in Utah. Um, she was up for adoption, but mm-hmm. just a mutt, like mutt. a reservation mutt. Yeah. Those are the best. Mm-hmm. Our dogs have always been rescues. Yeah. She's the best. She's, she likes being in the van and she likes going climbing and that's what matters the most. Yeah. <laughs> With my life. Yes. Well, Rocky, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure thank to get you. to know you. Um, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Yes. Um, if you go to whoisrocky.com, it will give you all of my social medias. You have whoisrocky.com. That's a yes. fucking killer URL Isn't to that have. Cute? That's yeah. amazing. I love it. That you have that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Don't ever let that go. Okay, well, I have like eight URLs that I just bought immediately. Yeah, that's really yeah. smart. Thanks. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> I like to just like snap them up if I find something mm-hmm. that I think is cute. I'll never do anything with it, but I just want to own it. Yeah, they just sit there and I'm like, I guess one day maybe. Yeah. Hmm. So who is Rocky.com and then people can find all the links to everything that they want to find on you. Yeah. It's like my Twitter, but I have two Instagrams and two TikToks, one for porn and one for climbing. So if mm-hmm. my van life climbing interests you, you can look at it on who is Rocky.com. Perfect. Yeah. And you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter to support this podcast. Of course, go to patreoncom slash Holly Randall unfiltered. I am also on TikTok. Um, I post little clips from my podcast on there. Um, that's, uh, Holly Randall unfiltered on TikTok. Thank you guys so much for watching and I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my show and want to support it, I ask that you take the time to rate and review my podcast. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash HRU And you'll automatically be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports and then be led to the place where you can rate my show. Five stars, of course, and leave your glowing review. Okay, it doesn't have to be glowing, but you know, say something nice. You can also financially support this show through my Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered, where you get so many perks for your support. Things such as early releases and live recordings of my interviews, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, autographed copies of my photography books, free access to my private Snapchat and not-safe-for-work website hollyrandall.com, and my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life. Also, join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash hollyrandallunfiltered, and you can watch the video versions of these interviews at youtube.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Oh, and of course, sign up for my newsletter at hollyrandallunfiltered.com and get all the info on upcoming guests and special projects. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting my podcast in whatever way that you can.